You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to Sequel Cast 2, a podcast looking at movies in a franchise one film at a time. I'm your host, Matt Bradley Shergi, and we are looking at A Chinese Ghost Story 2, um, second in the original trilogy from uh, director Chin Su Tung. I probably mispronounced that. Um, with me as Thrasher. This must be the work of the centipede. And Alex. Dao, 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 Dao. Yep. Um... Yeah, this one was was interesting. I don't know. It seemed more of a action kind of comedy and less of a romance, I think, than the first one. I I think that's that's a fair assessment, but it's also the ghosts are so incidental to this movie. <laughs> yeah, I think my initial uh, reaction was like, you know, usually with a the, the sequel fodder, you're like. Okay, with this one, I'm like, it was so crazy and so off the walls. I'm like, how could they follow that up, you know, even, you know, touch the, the, the madness of it? And I think they did so in such a way that was even a little crazier than the first one. A little more bold and insane than the first one, which, um, you know, is kind of testament to the way they crank them out in Hong Kong, which is why I love these movies so much. Well, this this is such a peculiar sequel because it doesn't try to give you the same story over again, but no, damned you get, you get if it doesn't try to give you a bigger movie. That is true. Like, the scope's a bit bigger. You have a lot more of the monsters. Um, in some way, I'm reminded of... You mentioned, like, the, the scope thrasher, and I like that. I'm reminded a little bit... This is a bit of a stretch of uh, the comparison of Hellraiser and Hellraiser 2, hmm. where you get kind of, like, more creature stuff and kind of a bigger scope to things. They had some more money to kind of expand upon stuff in the first one. And yet it's also like not um, that you have uh, characters uh, like Joey Wong, you know, like not playing the same character, but she looks the same and keeps on getting mistaken. And you have a bad fake mustache on a uh, name for a lot of the film is uh Oh, yeah, Leslie Chung, yeah. And Leslie Chung is really something. It's just... And then I'm looking at, like, this this poster that's on uh, Wikipedia, and it's just kind of crazy. You're seeing all these flames and creatures, and it... But then it also kind of looks like a romance with this uh, kind of promo picture of, of the, the two leads, you know, hugging each other, looking very uh, determined. Yeah, I think you get a lot of... Um in name sequel only with a lot of Hong Kong sequels. It was like that with yeah. um, the 36 chamber films, the swordsman films, which are actually another Ching Su Tung uh, joints where you have like the name of the franchise and some, maybe some recurring actors, but they're playing different characters a lot of the times. 
Thrasher? Oh no, just just that this this movie, like it it continually wants to remind you of the romance from the first film, but it never quite gives you its own romance, which is it, it kind of it, it walked uh, 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 in in a weird place because there's a there's a thing that I absolutely hate in movies where particularly supernatural movies where there is where there is some sort of romance but the lovers can't be together for whatever reason uh and then at the end of the movie like in the final scene our protagonist sees a woman who's just like the woman that he who looks just like the woman he lost <laughs> and can never get back and then it just like it cheapens the romance because it makes it seem like the person they were in love with is just like disposable and very easily replaceable and this movie never quite gets up to that line because we have a woman who looks just like Susine and they keep showing us flashbacks to the first movie to establish that romance. But, but we never quite get that. We never quite get that, that big like romantic like connection. They never quite, it never quite establishes that they're going to hook up or not. Yeah. And yeah, even they, though, go on. Oops, sorry. You go, go ahead and, and it's funny too because um, you think that they're going to hook up because they, she so blindly follows everything he does because they think he's the reincarnation of you know this great wise you know political you know uh, leader dude. So you're like, oh okay, well she's totally into him. But again, they don't really condescend to that kind of like hackneyed romance thing, like you're saying, Thrasher. Well, that, that's that's a, a great bit to 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 keep the tax collector in here because like we we begin and like you know the, the tax collector i guess you know he's a bit more sure of himself he's a bit better at his job but he returns home to his to uh his hometown which has completely fallen apart and been corrupted like the the people who run the inn there are cannibals they are you know quote unquote guards who are just beating people up and taking their stuff and so like <laughs> you know, he's moved up in the world the world has moved down and then very quickly, once he starts getting into trouble, this this group of like of rebels somehow get it in their head that he's this this wise sage, and <laughs> and just hang on his every word and every it's like life of Brian. Everything he does to deny this only cements in their mind that he is this sage. It's like life of Brian, but I also get this like studio com like slapstick studio comedy vibe from it, where it's like a lot of physical humor. No matter what he says or does, they're going to follow him completely to the letter. Yeah. And again, I, it's hard not to glean a little bit of um, some kind of political metaphor in that what he's thrown in jail, it kind of has this like Count of Monte Cristo vibe where the guy who's in there with him he has like a perfectly concocted escape plan for him. He's like, yeah, I can't take it. You know, it's not my world anymore. And also he's in there for writing all these, you know, political texts, which is, you know a pretty self-sustained uh, political metaphor there. Well, that's something, something that I loved is that, is that the old man he's in the cell with while they're waiting to be executed, that old man has had an escape tunnel there ready to go for however this many weeks time. they've been sharing yeah. the cell. <laughs> the subject of escape just never got brought up. Yeah. He's like, Hey, you know, it's just not for me. You know? Yeah. It's funny too. Cause, um, Having Wesley Young back is, is just so great, and um, I like that they change up the swordsman character played by, um, I'm going to butcher the pronunciation here, uh, Wacy Lee, who um, is a mustachioed bloke who uh, is kind of like the surrogate for Wu Ma's character in the last one, 
And he was kind of a terrific actor. You'd see him in uh, like A Better Tomorrow. And he was a lead character in Johnny Toe's debut, The Big Heat, which is a really grim, freaking shoot 'em up movie. Um, and he's pretty awesome as like the all-knowing, magical uh, swordsman dude. And he plays well with Leslie Chung here, I think, really well. Yeah, and the, also the, Jackie the... Chung, too, who's playing another kind of like, you know, shoot from the hip kind of wild swordsman too who was a lot of fun to watch i mean i I do like some of the callbacks to the first one and yet i think you could watch this without watching the first one and still understand it more or less oh just maybe get a bit less out of it like you have a a reprise of the dow rap although the lyrics are a bit different when uh when he's taking taking a bad or the translation itself is different. Yeah, I think... Um, it could be. <laughs> it's funny, too, because Leslie Chung starts rapping this time, and then Jackie Chung wakes up, and I think he's like, shut up, and he puts, like, cotton in his ears or something like that. He, he oh, yeah, yeah, he tears up his, his spell scrolls and stuffs it in his ears. Yeah. <laughs> but then when that happens, he's sleeping, and then there's a... You know, water gets out of the tub, and all of a sudden the water is getting underneath him, and that wakes him back up. Well, that's the other thing that, like, when the Dow song is in the first film, there's all this elaborate, like, choreography going on as the swordsman's jumping around and swinging his sword. And in this one, it's just the tax collector. He's just in a bathtub and he's trying to keep his spirits up. Yeah. <laughs> the visual is just him aggressively splashing water on himself. <laughs> yeah, I like I also, this. Oh, go on. Oh, um, I also love the kind of, like, contrast. Like, uh, Wuma in the first film has a lot of, like, you know, explodey magic. Whereas Jackie Chung in this one has a lot of, like, he can burrow underground. You know, like, his magic is a little different, but kind of the same. You know, we've seen this in Wucha films before, but in this one he can do, uh, you know, some, 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 different, some different shit. And, it comes well, and to... they get a lot of mileage with um He does a spell that can freeze people in place. Oh, and yes. And the special effect is they just pause the film, but yet there's some wide shots where, you know, people have to walk by actors being as still as possible. Right. Well, and we get some some great comedy to that too, yeah. because you know, like you like you know the wrong people getting frozen and not being able to snap out of it, and then like at one point when like the tax collector discovers that like he turns out magic's really easy to do, like he writes freeze on his hand and suddenly he can do it, and there's that great bit where where the spellcaster gets frozen and he's being berated and the monster is getting closer and closer. When the spellcaster can only. Uh, name sets up a thing where okay, if you agree with me, if you want to say yes, move your eyes up and down, or no, move it left or left and right, and then immediately that he starts moving his eyes diagonally, trying to to tell him, hey, you know, there's this big monster behind you, and he just isn't getting it, and it, it's through happenstance he happens to keep on freezing him and trying to figure out, oh wait, how did I get the monster to freeze? Oh no, he's unfrozen. I mean, that's a really extended sequence. In the first one, we got some of those skeletons and a bit with the tree demoness at the end. But here, they really focus on some of the creature feature aspects. And uh, they even get a bit of a callback on the way to the first one where uh, Wendy, who's played by Joey Wan, is uh, you know kind of investigating and this monster goop falls on her. So she has to take off her dress and wash it. And they do kind of the comedy of errors thing where, oh, the, the guy can't see her naked or, you know, covered by a, a robe. So he has to keep uh-huh. on opening his jacket to flash his chest <laughs> at them and explain to kind of explain away. It's, you know, you have some really good sequences here, but Thrasher, you know, you you like all the 
the monster design stuff. What do you think of the monster in this? Well, I think I think it looks great, and I love that it's just a whole bunch of different kinds of puppets. Sometimes it's like clearly sort of a marionette, <laughs> like when they're outside fighting it. Sometimes it's sort of a basic an- animatronic. I love how warty and green it is, all just the slime and oatmeal and things coming off of it. So like, and it does it does have a presence, and I like that they do sort of build up to it. When we see the the weird footprints first, then we see the creature in the fog. Like it, it the movie, see the shadow, yeah. Oh yeah, and like the big sharp teeth and the uh, the way the eyes are articulated. It's it's a great design and it's wonderfully realized in the film, but it is totally arbitrary because it turns out despite all the stuff they do with this monster, it is just an arbitrary monster they have randomly found, and it has no impact on the broader story whatsoever, aside from it kind of bringing the characters together. Pretty much, yeah. It's, um, and I do like, we, we get some mileage out of it. For basically like a framing device, we do get a lot of mileage out of it. And I like it that it's like almost kind of simple. It looks like a monster I would have like scribbled on my notepad in like grade school, you know, mm. like, you know, like, ah, scary arms, big eyes, teeth. Um, but it works, and it's and it also plays on the, like, not-too-serious nature of the, you know, the first couple acts of the film, which I really enjoy. And yet, when spells are used to try and defeat it, although um, the, the spellcaster is saying such things as, like, wind, fire, help me, he's just basically making parts of the wall move to crash onto the monster. Yeah. So I love the way that looks. It, and um, there was a really kind of subtle callback they, they do to the first movie where because uh, Nain is in prison, he, for a while, at the beginning, he does grow this like fake kind of mustache that makes him look more like a wise man. And he eventually decides to shave it off. And when he does, they play a few notes of the uh, opening number over the opening credits in the first film. Yeah, yeah. I know it's funny because seeing um, seeing Leslie Chung with a little mustache, a Fu Manchu mustache, is kind of like eh, it's just kind of funny. Um, I do love uh, the cast in this, um, especially. I know I just mentioned this, but uh, Jackie Chung played in a lot of Wong Kar Wai movies uh, beside um, Leslie Chung, and they've they've got terrific chemistry, and um, it plays off uh, wonderfully here as well. So, yeah, good good casting with Leslie Chong, Wesley Lee, and, of course, Leslie. So, okay, so, 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 like, eventually, like, a plot does kick in uh, because, like, they, they, introduce this, they introduce this character, this, like, exorcist who can summon a giant gold Buddha who, who is supposed to sort of be, like, be in charge of everything. And, and... Eventually, like it turns, it it turns out that that guy is a, a centipede demon who's been wearing the exorcist skin, but has also been wearing the skins of presumably the entire imperial court, which leads <laughs> to one of the most bonkers climaxes I think I've ever seen, where it's just this protracted fight scene where every character, including the swordsman from the first film, comes together to fight this giant centipede puppet. Which this, was just like, I was like, here we go. Like, this is what I was looking for. This is like the freaking, you know, unhinged fucking bonkers Chinese ghost story stuff that I, that I love so much. Right. I mean, it's a better, I think, more realized kind of final showdown than what you had in the first movie. And this one, 
when they're kind of writing the centipede, I'm reminded a bit of a Paul Atreides writing a sandworm in Dune. <laughs> oh yeah, totally. But but the effect isn't isn't great, but it's like they don't care; they just kind of go with it. And, uh-huh. and I, I like the the enthusiasm, and uh, you know that it brings all the characters back to bot to battle him, and you get uh, all the stuff going on. Is is not where you're expecting this to go because before that they they go to uh, they go to the palace and you see that it's going to be this big tribunal and you're not you think maybe they're going to go to court or it's going to be some dramatic ending and nope giant centipede monster. <laughs> oh, I guess I guess we should we, we should explain. Um, I believe it's it's the character was it the character of of Moon like the whole reason they're even doing this is that the 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 rebels her father has been falsely accused of a crime so everything they're doing is to save her father from from execution yeah Even though, is, yeah uh, go on oh yeah no it, it's a it's a good bit of business and again there's like these little political rumblings like right underneath the the story and they're not very overt or or very specific or anything but I mean, they are there, and it just kind of plays into how um, intelligent Ching Tung is as a as a um, as a filmmaker, because he can do these big, you know, big effects um, entertainment films. But there's a there's enough subtext there for you to to mull over as you watch these films, which I always really enjoy. And according to um, Wikipedia, the the theme song to Chinese Ghost Story Two contains a veiled reference to the Tiananmen Square massacre. Yeah, I had heard about that, that like the soundtrack had been banned in various places because of that. And in China in 2019, they, they banned it. Why Why in 2019? I'm not quite sure. I think with the increased protests of the uh, Beijing sure. government, with, yeah. Right, with that getting more public. Good point. But And uh, yeah, Leslie Chung, um, he, he sings this one too, right? Uh, yeah, yep. Yeah. Yeah, what a what a huge star he was! It was really tragic when he uh, took his own life in two thousand three. Now, I mean, is that is this a thing that's more common with, um, as far as you know, Alex, with Chinese actors, where they have big like uh, pop careers as well? Yeah, a lot just, of dudes do it. Like Jackie Chan. Jackie sang, Chan but... has done a whole lot. He had a whole album of of to tie into when the Olympics were in uh, China. Oh yeah, stuff. like the uh, police story films. He sings all the themes there. Mm-hmm. Um, which is funny because they dub him in um, Mandarin in some of his own movies, like even around that era. Yeah, yeah, the great singers. So they dub him. Same thing with um, Leslie and, and Jackie Chung does it as well. Um, yeah, you see a lot more of it. Tony Lung does it. There's two Tony Lungs. There's Tony Lung Kafai, sure. and um, then there's Tiny Tony. I forget his other name, but right. there's just Tiny Tony and Big Tony. But um, yeah, a lot of these dudes do it. And Bridget Lin, I think, does albums too. Yeah. Uh, yeah, a lot of these stars, Maggie Chung, I want to say. Um, yeah, pretty. It's funny how that works over there, but they're and they're huge too. That's not like when Shaq rapped, you know what I mean? Like these are like these right. guys are filling auditoriums and arenas and stuff. But if it's not like Shaq rap, how will we know whether or not we can rock or what is up, Doc? Exactly, and there will not be any slam dunking references, which breaks my heart in so many ways. No, and isn't it weird that, you know, Shaq Fu was like a Street Fighter kind of game, but then when they did a Kickstarter for a sequel to Shaq Fu, it was more like Final Fight. It wasn't quite the same kind of game. All, all, all things to uh, consider. I mean, even, well, Shaq had a best of album. That's what surprised me, but. I know. Is that, didn't he only have one album to start with, or, or am I mistaken? 
I'm not sure. That would seem odd to do a best of when you've only had one album, but Stranger Things Have Happened. Indeed. Speaking of, you know, reading this thing about the music being pulled, did you see that the uh, the video game movie Monster Hunter was pulled from theaters in China? Because, yeah, uh, I did it, hear about that. It, there's a line of dialogue where, uh, I don't have the article in front of me, but one of the actors who's Chinese has a line of dialogue or his character is Chinese, I should say. Uh, a character is that they're kind of joking around and saying, like, why are you so strong? And he says, because of these knees, they're Chinese. Oh, and my God. That was considered that caused a bit of a scandal. So they had to pull the film, cut that little joke out, and then re release it into theaters. Oi, oi, oi. So. Speaking of um, songs and funny stuff, it was that, you know, it's funny if the. DVD I have is is basically like a glorified laser disc print of the Chinese Ghost Story trilogy, right? And in the second movie, the song wasn't translated. Oh, hmm. Yeah, that happens sometimes. Wondering. Yeah, like, uh, maybe... and I put I just chalked it up to just bad, you know, bad version of the film. Um, because there's the song wasn't translated, the rap wasn't translated, but I also wonder if maybe it's got something to do with the relative controversy of the lyrics. That yeah, that could. That could be the case, or um, I mean, it always bugs me with subtitles. It's like they'll show signs, but they don't always subtitle what the signs mean. Yeah, exactly. Like, it's like I can probably figure out that it says like "right this way" to or something. But... Yeah, or it's the name of the temple or the building or the, the it's this road they have to go right. on. It's usually or it could pretty... be a great joke we're missing out on. You never know. Yeah, well, well sure. I mean, there's always going to be things lost in translation, so to speak, and even. Um, you know, I wish they would have done more with uh, Joey Wan in this, but that they use the same kind of music stain from the original when she's mm-hmm. she's talking and they're thinking about the flashbacks and at the end that they kind of see him in, in passing. It's uh, I think it kind of works. You know, it, it does get that kind of wistful feeling, although since their relationship isn't up front and center, it, it almost seems more of a, a gimmick that, she's playing a different character and they kind of make a joke of it. Like, Oh, you want me to use the, uh, a code name of Susan. Okay. Right. Yeah. And I think, um, yeah, like you're saying, you don't, it's not like a requisite that you need to see the first film. Um, it was like the, I remember I saw swordsman two and I was like, don't I need to see swordsman one? And everyone's like, no, no way. It doesn't matter. Plus you can't find it anyway. It was so hard to track down for years. Um, and I think it just uh, also just goes into the marketability of of what they would put into these films, and that it was basically like we're going to make a movie, and it's going to be impossible for this movie to lose money, basically. <laughs> right. Uh, any last thoughts about Chinese Ghost Story Two, Thrasher? It's it's just that, like I I don't think this is a good movie. It it really mm. is all over the place. It's a mess, and yet I found it relentlessly entertaining. Yeah, that's funny how that happens. Where I mean, entertaining is better than like a bad movie that's slow. Or yeah, kind of yeah. sits there compared to like a bad movie that's sort of so funny it it uh, works for reasons that are perhaps not attended. But yeah, Chinese yeah, Ghost the- Story two. It's you know, it definitely doesn't repeat all the same jokes and so forth. It has that same flavor as the original, and yet. The story and everything seems so incidental. I thought they would have done some of this like lost love thing or, or maybe done a different time period or I don't know. It, there's, it feels like it's missing something, but I can't quite put my finger on what. 
Yeah, I think um, it doesn't have as much narrative propulsion as the first one, but mm-hmm. the amount of just, you know, um, you know, crackerjack bravado and the whole finale with the, uh, you know, freaking ghost sandworm <laughs> monster thing and them going inside it and like, you know, the like band of swords and stuff it was just too much fun to, for me to even really get caught up in it. And it just it does what these Hong Kong films do. And it's just like entertain, entertain and entertain. It's just so relentlessly entertaining that it was hard for me to really get caught up in the shortcomings. Maybe that was part of the filmmaker's intentions, I would say, maybe. Um and yeah, it was just in the, the the summoning of the Buddha was just um, so <laughs> so fucking insane. I, that's why I love these films so much. Um, I think I think what what it is 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 because the supernatural elements in this film are so arbitrary because it is in the end it is a story about a daughter trying to rescue her father, but they just keep throwing supernatural stuff into it just because the first movie had supernatural stuff. I I think those those parts of the stories need to dovetail together more, and it needs to start really early on in the film. I think that's what does it. Yes, yeah, even when you said that Thrasher, it's about a daughter trying to rescue your father. I was like, oh yeah, I did have that going. <laughs> and, and this is coming from a fan. I love these freaking movies. I see them a bunch, you know. Sure, and and the first one was like more creepy, and this one is just kind of more silly, and it's a little. Yeah. You kind of make the com- the comparison between like Evil Dead Two and Evil Dead or something. There was some gross bit. stuff, but it was never creepy or scary. Yeah. Right, a, a lot of like monster snot, but yeah, yeah, yeah exactly, falling on people and going, "Ooh, what's that?" But. uh Overall, I think Chinese Ghost Story too. I think I'll I'll barely give it a sequel. Yes, just because I like how crazy the ending gets with the hundred swords spiraling around, and it's uh, it has a lighter touch than the first. It's not nearly as good as the first one, but I think it's uh, I think it works just barely. But it's pretty ramshackle with how it's held together. Uh, Thrasher. I'm going to give it a sequel. Yes, only because of how entertaining it was. But if the third if the third movie does not have a, a better story or a tighter structure, I, I think mm. I'm going to have to to leave the franchise at that point. Hi, I'm Ray, and this is my friend Alex. Hi. And we do a show called No More Whoppers. Between us, we're as old as four RPG protagonists. And now Alex will give us a funny anagram for the name of the show. Uh, big old knockers. Uh. Join us every month or so on the Greenlit Podcast Network. How does Crazy Taxi stack up against, say, Papers, Please? And what's the one 3DO FMV game that gives Mario Party a run for its money? Find out on Hardcore Gaming 101's Top Games, where we objectively, definitively, and scientifically rank the games you nominate for our ever-growing list. HG101's Top Games, twice a week, every week, right here on the Greenlit Podcast Network. Um, I think you might have to come to terms with that, because if I remember correctly, it's, it's pretty crazy. Um, I'm going with a sequel, yes. Um, a slight fan bias because uh, I'm a big Hong Kong wuxia, um, you know, ghost movie nut from this era. So uh, sequel, yes, it, it it just tickles all the right spots of all the um, all the brazen, fun, crazy weirdness that these movies uh, embody. And um, I always admire Ching Su Tung's uh, just complete fearlessness into melding genres and all sorts of other nonsense and making it work somehow. Great. So on to pitch a sequel. I think what I would do, I love all the monster things in these films. I think I would have uh, Ning kind of, he, he goes to, because his hometown is burnt down, he he makes his home somewhere else. Or maybe he makes camp and, and falls asleep. And then when he wakes up, he's in uh, the demon world. And the whole thing would be set in the demon world. 
and and it'd be more uh kind of monster and and action focus and it wouldn't have any of the other characters uh from the other films and it'd be called uh a chinese ghost story 3 uh enter the demons rasher so uh the way the way mine's gonna work uh i want to do uh chinese ghost story 3 uh trial of the dead where what's gonna happen is that the tax collector because every time he shows up a whole bunch of monsters and ghosts die or in the case of ghosts get re-deaded um he is spirits appear and he is put on trial for crimes against the supernatural and so all characters all throughout the series are going to show up to testify, but he also he also falls in love with the lawyer for the prosecution, and so it's also going to have this weird romantic farce angle where they keep they keep meeting each other and keep having these rendezvous and keep falling more and more in love with each other. Uh, but you know, in in the end, of course, their love will absolve him of all of his crimes, and he will be uh, released. But almost everything's going to be a ghost or a monster, since most of it's going to take place in this like weird land land of the dead with this creepy skull faced like imperial judge. Ooh, ghost! Lots court. of puppets. First, gotta nice. have the puppets, Alex. So I'm going to go with. Um, so it turns out um, there's been an age spell on um, Ning Leslie Chung's character and Joey Wong this whole time, and it turns out that. He, Wacy Lee, uh, and um, Jackie Chung are all siblings, and that Wu Ma, the old swordsman from the first film, is actually their father. So they've been under an age spell this whole time, where they're actually like you know like 130 years old, and like Wu Ma is actually like 200 years old, and he's like their grand wise man father, and they're, that's why they're all endowed with these powers to fight you know all these ghosts and monsters and Chung. So what's he? reveals this to them they, uh, it turns out that their uh, Wuma's master plan all along was to find the great um it's like the it's like the mother from aliens that there's like a you know a giant hive where all these you know crazy ghosts are being you know uh you know flirted out and they have to go uh they have to destroy the queen basically and it'll be called um uh chinese ghost story three wonder twin powers activate all right, there you go. Very good. On to what you're watching. Um, you know, it's been, we had some technical difficulties. It's taken us a little bit to record this episode, so we've had a lot of time. I just want to try to narrow it down to one thing here. I saw, so on Disney Plus, they've been doing this thing where they do these little concerts of sort, but done through Zoom, so just done with different people at their house and they had a holiday themed one and it it did kind of the strange choice of doing kind of christmas songs not disney songs as much but then while people were singing instead of just showing the performer they were cutting in clips from different disney holiday specials that had nothing to do with what they were the carols they were doing <laughs> so you know i don't think it was as good as some of the other ones it seemed a bit uh, arbitrary and yet the, the Zoom concerts are, are very popular. All kind of the different channels have been doing them. Analysis people have been doing it for benefits during the presidential election and, and so forth. So I, I think we'll keep seeing this stuff at least for another year or so. I mean, this yeah. uh, in, in 2021, television is going to be pretty strange because they oh, didn't yeah. have 
time to film things. So I don't know if you'll see people spread out or you get a lot of things that have been delayed, even things where they had limited seating and thought that you test people every day, like uh, Ellen just uh, came down with COVID, right? So they had to shut down the show for a few weeks uh. and, and uh, Batman had to shut down for a few weeks because I think Robert Pattinson had it um, as well. So, you know, I've been thinking about what television is going to look like next year. And, and it just occurred to me as, as frustrating as this, as this year has been, if the shows, if the shows I end up watching ignore this time period, I am going to be so furious. Yeah, I saw there was a preview for the final season of Shameless, and they definitely did not ignore it. Like, um, everyone's walking mm. around with, like, face masks and stuff. They're like, Corona Survivors! Woo! So, at least Shameless isn't ignoring it, which is a show I just discovered, actually. I kind of like it. I think it'll depend. I mean, but certainly I think it'll be a while until... I mean, we've seen some low-budget things come out here and there, but um, whether we see... You know, I mean, a lot of the movies in 2021 will be stuff that's supposed to come out in 2020. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, you I know, think Top Gun Dune, 2, Dune, pushed, all right? these things. Although, yeah. with what HBO Max says, they're debuting all their stuff at home and in theaters simultaneously to try and goose the HBO Max numbers. And, yep. uh, yeah. And, I mean, did I guess we can mention this real quick. Did anyone else see the Disney Stock Investor presentation? Where I didn't oh, watch the no. presentation, but I've seen everything that was announced. Right, where they announced, like, 10 Star Wars series and 10... Like, that is way too much. Ten, I hate like, it when they do that. like, like ten yeah. made for Disney Plus movies or series. Like almost everything was a remake, of course, because all the other remakes, like Lion King and yeah. Aladdin, made a lot of money. And so, like, we're gonna make a Disney Plus series of three men and a baby. Uh, uh, the one I thought that was most galling, and I, I don't read these books, but there's that Diary of a Wimpy Kid, and and Disney had made, or I guess it might have been a Fox property that Disney has. Uh, they did a live-action trilogy that were these pretty modestly budgeted movies, and they're already rebooting that, just doing it as a cartoon. Aye, aye, aye. And, and you get this really stiff line readings from the executives where it's like, well, now the Wimpy Kid's going to be a little more animated. And, uh, oh, okay. Right, and and then... But, um, but, yeah, I mean, we'll see what happens, but they seem to... Maybe they'll be killing the Golden Goose or make people a bit sick of all this yeah, stuff. Yeah, I don't but, know. It's... Like when, um, I think like back when we recorded, I think back when I was a guest for the final, the sequel cast finale back in like what, 2014, 2015, mm-hmm. it was right when I think Marvel announced their whole slate of things for like the next five years or whatever. Even back then it was kind of like, holy shit guys, like, you know what I mean? Just, it, it seemed like overload then. So now that Disney's doing it, but then again, it seemed like a whole lot then. And you know, they've, it's been gangbusters for them. So It'll probably I mean, be gangbusters for Disney Plus. I don't know. Well, in Disney Plus, they they made it sound like, oh, you know, right away you're going to get things like the Loki TV show or whatever, and all that they've kind of saved for next year instead. So there's right, a lot yeah. that's already been filmed that um, they're going to be dumping on people. And they, what did they mention? It was something in particular. Uh, James Gunn is going to write and direct a made for Disney Plus uh, Guardians of the Galaxy holiday special. Uh, okay. Okay. No, that well, I did. Holiday specials are already so great. You know? Well, I mean, I, I think it'll be a bit ton in cheek with the characters and so forth. But I mean, that oh, I yeah. thought was kind of a funny announcement that wasn't something so predictable. So I mean, we'll see where all that goes. But it, it's a bit mind-numbing to see, you know, three separate sets of graphics with ten series names a piece. 
And they're like, this yeah. is sure to be a new classic. And it's just all uh, a lot of focus on because Hulu isn't really a thing overseas. And so they, they have this thing wrapped up in Disney Plus called Star that has all the R-rated and PG-13 content. Ooh. But, it's like but, but, but in the United States, it's like all the all that stuff's on Hulu. Right, yeah, which is goofy. Um, but to see it under the Disney Plus banner is kind of funny. Like, you can see your favorites, like Lethal Weapon and Alien. Um, yeah, okay. They did um, announce an Alien TV series, and uh, they mentioned okay. this time it's going to take place on Earth, which to me is not that interesting. Oh, so, yeah, because there's, like, all, the only connection you really had with, like, human life was the Whale Newtani Corporation, and... Was that even like Earth? I don't think they even really mentioned. I mean, it, right? Alien versus Predator; those movies take place on Earth, and at the yeah, okay. it, in the director's cut of Alien Resurrection, they land in Paris. Okay, and it was right. all like a wasteland with mechs and stuff. But I don't know if they, I doubt they'd pick up from that. But who knows? So also, aliens. Keep in mind, aliens. The Wayland Utani facility where Ripley uh, recovers from her ordeal in the first film is a space uh, station orbiting Earth. Sure, orbiting Earth. Yeah, I knew it was like yeah, an outpost, but yeah. Yep. But um, and, this is the funny thing though is that like Netflix and stuff. You know, they have a lot of original content, a lot of original series and stuff, but. They also write these blank checks to these, you know, phenomenal directors to really do what they want. You know, whether sure. it's Alfonso Cuarón's Roma, Scorsese and the Irishman. Um, they even resurrect fucking the thought to be lost forever Orson Welles film, The Other Side of the Wind. And I just don't see Disney doing that because it's mm. Disney and things are Disneyfied, and I don't think when we're gonna have, have to, like yeah, Disney have to fit inside the box. I mean, God, they fired. <laughs> Josh Trank from that third Star Wars solo movie or um, yeah. kind of spin-off thing that never happened. You know what this this reminds me of? Uh so one of the reasons why the Marvel movie rights were sort of sold so piecemeal, I I found out about this is that essentially if if you're a bit if you're a business, if you announce that you're making a movie, your stock prices go up. And oh, if yeah. you announce you're making a movie based on an established property, your stock price goes up even more. And that's part of why so many weird Marvel movie deals happened in the 80s and 90s. Uh, it's because the rights were being sold piecemeal to these production companies that had no intention of making the movie. They just wanted to be able to announce a movie based on an established property to goose their stock prices. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do and wish I... Canon would have pulled the trigger on some of those things they were supposed to do, like Spider-Man, Captain America, just to see what that low-budget... Um... Well, watch Albert Payoon's Captain America. That is exactly what that movie is. <laughs> well, right, but I think originally Captain America was going to be written by and directed by the guy who did the Death Wish, uh, first three Death Wish movies. Oh, Michael Winner? Yeah, which would have been... Yeah. They announced so many things with so few details. Right. It just feels like I I feel like I feel like they have no intention of making at least half of those shows. This is just to make things to to generate buzz for the mm. service and goose their stock prices. Well, yeah, and, which is and, probably a hundred percent right. Yeah. Right. And I like, mean, which what, one of these what's, come to pass? I don't think a lot of these will release on time either. Like, but what's you, the difference between a New Republic, a New Republic Ranger, and a New Republic Squadron? What are, what makes those shows different from each other? Well, yeah, I, exactly. I, I like that one of the movies they're teasing is from the director of Wonder Woman 1 and 2. Um, Petty Jenkins is doing oh, a yeah. Star Wars Rogue oh, Squadron I like movie. I can dig um, that. And I think that... I feel like 
kind of. I feel like the volume of Star Wars stuff is like on par with what the volume of Star Wars video games were back in the nineties. Yeah, it's just gonna get worse. We're gonna drink from the fire hose. Uh, But that's enough. I've (laughs) gone on way too long. Uh, Alex, what have you been watching? Um, in concert with the theme of the episode, I uh, Christmas came early and I got the Masters of Cinema Eureka Blu-ray of Ronnie Yu's classic, A Bride with White Hair, which is the coolest, most far out, visually sumptuous, um, wuxia romance fantasy film from the time, Mm. um, where Bridget Lynn plays a, um, Kind of like a like a witchy, uh, you know, um, loner chick who is affiliated with this uh, magic cult, and um, she begins a love affair with the swordsman from this uh, the Wu Dang sect of of you know, the you know so and so dynasty, and the other star crossed lovers and what have you. And then um, once she's scorned, she succumbs to a curse that turns her hair white and makes her this murderous um, witch with uh, crazy superpowers. And it's like. This movie is like, it's like Shakespeare, it's like Romeo and Juliet meets like insane wucha, kung fu, flying sword witchcraft. And it's like the coolest movie ever made. Um, and there is a sequel. We could technically cover it on the show sometime. But yeah, The Bride with White Hair with Bridget Lynn and our man Leslie Chung and the two leads. It's a, it's a sumptuous, sweaty, sorty, bloody, uh, cross-processed uh Fever dream of 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 beautiful swords play sword play and and romance. There we go, great, and uh, Thrasher. So I finally watched something that I think I talked about trying to track down back when we recorded uh, In Trouble Again, a Star Wars droids podcast. I finally managed to track down the Ruby Spears Superman animated series from 1988. Oh no way. I might have that taped on a videotape somewhere, but what did you think of it? It, it probably is on one of those Saturday morning compilations mm-hmm. uh, that that you had. Like overall, it's it's really good. I mean, it it is as well animated as this reputation suggests. Uh, very decent in voice acting. Uh, it might as well be based on the Christopher Reeves movie. The theme song is the John Williams Superman theme, just reorchestrated mm. a little bit. Their Lex Luthor is clearly based on Gene Hackman's performance to the point where he even has an assistant. He's always calling Miss Morgan Berry. Uh, <laughs> and. And the th- and the two thing the two things that stand out is that one, aside from Lex Luthor and General Zod, they just don't use any DC villains. It's all new villains that are made up from the show. Although some of them are pretty damn cool. Like I liked Bone Chill. Bone Chill, I would love to see as a real villain in a comic. He's this like this creepy looking skull face sorcerer uh, mm-hmm. who can make fictional monsters real. But uh, and there is an episode where, where it crosses over with Wonder Woman, which completely took me by surprise. It makes me wonder if they were trying to set up something for for like a Justice League or Wonder Woman series. Had this gone on, but apparently it 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 it, 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 it like for whatever reason it didn't do overwhelmingly good enough to guarantee a second season. So this one, this one, this one season. The other thing that is strange is rather than just having one half hour Superman story. It is a 20-minute Superman story and then, like, a five-minute backup story, which is just about a young Clark Kent. And it's weird because while they're well-written and kind of touching, there's no parallel between the Superman story and the Clark, and the young Clark Kent story. Nothing unites them. It's just sort of there mm. at the end. And it's so weird having all this frantic Superman action and then just kind of a quiet little domestic story about a young Clark Kent. 
it's it's really peculiar and and I don't want to condemn that entirely because while I do think it's sort of a bad idea because it leaves less room for the Superman story, the Superman stories are really tightly written and really fast paced and that helps them a lot. Is this before and this is before Smallville, I assume, right? Oh, long before. This was in 1988. Oh, 88. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, interesting. I wonder if that might have maybe inspired the writers or something like that to actually start penning down something like Smallville. I don't know, but it, it really is neat, and they and they're constantly making callbacks to the Christopher Reeve movie. There there is even an episode where this like time traveler releases this technological thing, and everybody in Metropolis gets turned into a creepy cyborg, just like the ones from Superman three. Nice. There's no yeah. uh, Richard Pryor in there. <laughs> no, no, there's no Richard Pryor. Uh, the the one thing, oh, one thing that is peculiar. Uh, though, is that episode two, Fugitive from Space, that is not available on the DVDs, and that's not available for free streaming, but it is apparently available, uh, as you can buy it on YouTube, and I cannot find any information about why this of all the episodes you can't just watch. I can only assume it's some sort of rights issue, but I can't tell what that is. Like, there's no information about why this episode is segregated from the rest. Yeah, you'll see this in a lot of streaming services where, like, they'll be missing one or two episodes, but if you get the physical copy, you'll you'll get all the episodes on DVD or whatever, or Blu-ray, and it is, um... It's disappointing. I mean, sometimes it has to do with music rights issues is mostly what it is, but other times they just think this might episode might have something offensive, so they'll pull it. Uh, so it, it, it just depends, but it, it does always bug me when that happens, even when it's a series that does not have that many, um, you know, it, it doesn't have an overarching plot line where it doesn't matter really if you miss an episode, but you just want that completionist thing. Hey, this says the complete series. I can watch right. this on this streaming service. I want to watch the whole thing. And technically you can't cause it's not all on, it's not all on there. So it's one of those things. Okay, so I assume we don't have a scene this week, right? Because it's uh... no, regrettably no. I could find I could find no no decent yeah, excerpts right. of dialogue. Oh, that's that's fine. So um, I guess then we move on to uh, plugging stuff. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at matwbt. Uh, and remember the theme song to Seagull Fast Two is done by Mark with a C. Check out his music at markwithac.com. You can follow me on Twitter at Internet Mayor, and oh, and uh, the the so for for a number of, so Skirmisher Publishing, I, they publish a lot of my stuff. Uh, they are back on DriveThroughRPG.com, so my writing and illustration is more available than ever. Just go to DriveThroughRPG.com, search for William T. Thrasher, you'll find uh, all my stuff on Skirmisher. Uh, also, some of my stuff for other publishers as well. Very good. And uh, Alex? Very nice. Um, you can find me on Twitter at CrabNebula1914. Um, also check out the YouTube channel, The Trailer Project. And I mentioned this before, but if you leave a uh, review on iTunes and shout, plug in a uh, movie title, we will cover it on that YouTube channel. Uh, provide a tra- trailer commentary to any film of your choice. And also I just recently made um, a video essay about uh, the film, uh, David Fincher's most recent film, uh, Mank about uh, Herman Mankiewicz and uh, Citizen Kane, Marion Davies, Orson Welles, and William Randolph Hearst. It's kind of a mishmash 
essay short, and I'm not sure how I feel about it. So drop it and check it out. I'm not sure how you feel about Mank or the thing you made, the video you made. I love the film Mank. Um, I'm not sure I feel the thing I made. It was a lot of work, and it's kind of like, eh, but, you know, whatever. That happens. Uh, Okay, so next time we'll be talking about Chinese Ghost Story 3. Um, And then after that, we'll be moving on to the Psycho series. And uh, I I don't think we'll cover the remake, but we'll look at all the other ones. So the remake we might save later as a one-off. So, yeah, look forward to that. Like a bonus uh, episode with Bates Motel or something. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, maybe we could talk J- about Just like story. we did with those Freddy's Nightmares. We'll just oh, we'll, we'll watch the yeah. TV show. <laughs> okay, so for um, Sequel Cast 2, this, this is Matt. This is Thrasher. This is Alex. Saying, It is very simple. You simply hold out your hand and say, Freeze! It always works, see? You know, 